0: We're going to continue our series. Uh, If you joined us on Zoom last week, uh, we've been unpacking this idea of the armor of God. And uh, who went and read the scriptures last week that I said to go and read? Okay, who read them? Okay, good. Um, You know, it's so interesting. One of the number one things that we'll always talk about here at this church, if you're new here, is the power of reading the Bible. Um, You know, I was talking to Beck even this week. I'm like, what does success look like leading this church? Success for me looks like you loving the Word of God. You know, it's not about you going, oh yeah, As is a good speaker, or you know, it's actually you and your week going, I just love the Word of God, and God speaks to me. And so, you know, we've been sort of building this foundation about the armour of God, the protection we need in this life, you know, to avoid, be take, to avoid being taken out when you're under attack, you know. I must admit, as I've been looking into the armor of God, for me personally, it's been beautiful because I've been growing. I've sort of been delving into this idea of what the armor of God is. It's been so amazing for my own spiritual walk. And, um, you know, a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, Beck talked about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God, the short sword. You know, for close attack, you need the Spirit of God. You need the sword of the Spirit. Last week, we talked about having the belt of truth wrapped around your waist and we know that jesus said that he was the way the truth and the life you know there's no doubt if you choose to follow jesus maybe you have it and maybe you're thinking about it i want to put a warning around it don't rush into it if you don't know what you're stepping into because some people think that saying yes to jesus means i'm going to have a great life show me the money But actually, stepping into following Jesus is, oh, I stepped onto a battlefield now and I'm in a war. It's actually not stepping into comfort, it's stepping into a war. And you are on the front line. And it's interesting how sometimes we don't talk about this, and all of a sudden you step into something like following Jesus, and then all of a sudden things just start going wrong. Why are things going wrong? Maybe you've been on a spiritual high, then this week has just been horrible. Maybe uh, you were on a spiritual high just even last week. Maybe you are in your car, you are spending this beautiful time in worship, and then someone cuts you off and you gave him the thing. No, you wouldn't do that. Some of you just like putting your mask a bit higher. But, you know, spiritual attacks are real. You know, every person I know that's ever stepped into following Jesus has come under some kind of attack. You know, even for myself in the last week, I actually had to reach out to our prayer team. We have a prayer team at this church. We have a phenomenal prayer team. Prayer, God moves, all right? But this week, I had like three nights straight of just night terrors. I'm talking like horrific night terrors, like nightmares. I never get nightmares. Every night, I was waking up at about 1 a.m., and I literally would just start praying because I knew it was an attack. I'd be like, what the heck was that? I just wasn't sleeping. And I, I actually reached out to the prayer team and said, you know, if you can be praying for something, I need sleep. I'm tired, right? And uh, they, they prayed. I had the best sleep the next night. And it's amazing talking to Beck because I shared with her. I said, this is what's going on. And she was praying too. And then all of a sudden, like I had the best sleep I've ever had. And you need to be able to identify the attack, right? Quite often we get taken out by the attack because we can't identify it. We think it's our family. We think it's our kids. We think it's our work. We think, but it's actually actually you need to identify it, and you need to need to do what two Corinthians ten four five says. It says this: the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pret- um, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The good news is, we don't have to fear the attack. Because some of you are like, oh man, I don't want that. We don't have to fear the attack. Through Christ in the scripture, it assures us that we are more than conquerors. In other words, we've been given the tools to overcome every battle, every situation that gets thrown at us in Jesus' name. And I want to keep on unpacking Ephesians 6. We're going to read it again. And I want you to go and read this passage of Scripture in your own time. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and reveal to you more than I'm going to reveal today. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may stand, be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about the truth last week, surrounding yourself, wrapping yourself up in Christ, Having the belt of truth on, opening the scripture, allowing truth to speak to you. Then it goes on, With the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Today, we're going to unpack that second thing that he drops on us. The breastplate of righteousness and why it's so important to have a breastplate of righteousness in place when you're following Jesus. Now, I've got a photo, actually, of a breastplate. If you didn't know what it is, who knows what it's for, by the way? Why do you wear this? Anyone know why you wear this? Apart from fashion? Fashion. It's fashion. (laughs) So what is it protecting? Protects your heart, all your vital organs. So the breastplate of righteousness, it's interesting that this is the thing that protects your organs, the most important things. Uh, If you have a look at this, they were often held together by leather, straps, and lots of pieces of of steel or metal or whatever. Um, It was kind of, they could move around. But if, you know, a sword came close, it couldn't pierce the things that would kill you. Breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness, as my words (laughs) roll into one. You know... It's really easy when you read this scripture to look at it and go, oh, I need the breastplate of righteousness. I need to do what's right. I need to do what's right, because we think of righteousness as what is right. The interesting thing is, though, the word righteous actually is derived from an idea of being right standing before a judge. So it's actually about coming to a judge, whether you were taken to court, the judge is hearing your situation, you kind of present your case and the judge sits there and the judge will either say guilty or you're in right standing you can go you're free that's what righteousness is being in right standing it's actually not to do with being good doing good but sometimes we can actually read this and go i just need to be better that's how i wear the you know this breastplate you know, and I could go down this simple path of the practical side of things because you could actually say, well, if I do what's right in my life, that will protect my heart. We understand that, right? Do the right thing. You're not going to get yourselves in all sorts of trouble in all sorts of situations. And that's fair to actually say, yep, there's some real merit in that. But I want to unpack something today. that's a little bit different, you know, because when it comes to doing right, we actually have heaps of providence to back that up as well. You know, being upstanding, right standing, there's heaps of stuff. In Proverbs 4 even, uh, talking about wisdom, it says this, The path of righteousness is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is, the, is like deep darkness, they do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say, turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life To those who find them, and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and to be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or left, keep your foot from evil. So there is something about the benefit of doing what's right. You know, in fact, uh, it's interesting how it talks about guarding your heart in that Scripture in Proverbs 4. I can't tell you how many times I've met people in my life because they didn't protect their heart. They made decisions that destroyed their life. You know, we've all been through it. We want to do something we know we shouldn't. And when we act on that thing, there's a consequence that comes with it. I remember years ago hearing a a, um, speaker talk about one of his close mates who had an affair and lost everything. And I remember sitting there and hearing this story. It was a tragic story of this guy who allowed the seed of just, I need to go have an affair sink into his heart. He didn't protect his heart. And in a moment, he had an affair with his workmate. And it's interesting, this guy who was speaking about it, he said, I talked to my friend after he lost his job, his family, and everything that he had, all his reputation. And I said, was it worth it? Was the sex good? Sorry, kids. But here's the thing, I remember this, this guy who was sharing, he said, the guy looked at me and said, I don't even remember that. All I remember is shutting the door and making that decision, the wrong one. It's amazing how if we don't protect our heart, how it does lead us down a way that we don't want to go. You know, it's interesting, often in our world you'll hear people say, listen to your heart, just listen to your heart. Remember that Casey Donovan song? Listen to your heart. <laughs> Rubbish song. When people say, listen to your heart, I often respond with, don't listen to your heart. We actually know this because in the scripture, time and time again, it talks about how the heart is messed up. Right? I'm not going to put all the scriptures on the screen. There's so many of them. But Jeremiah 17:9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Matthew fifteen nine for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, slanders, and Collingwood supporters. It's in the Hebrew. Okay. <laughs> Come on, the boys. <laughs> Give into your hearts and your heart will self-implode. The lions will beat your team and you'll be hurting. (laughs) (laughs) The ways of the heart can and do often lead to death. When not watched carefully. That's why in Proverbs 4.23 it says this, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And maybe you're asking right now, so as um, if the heart is so evil, why protect it? Shouldn't it get what it deserves? Not at all. You know, the psalmist David knew that there was more than the physical at play when it came to the issues of the heart. We know this because he fell into the trap of his heart's desires. Bathsheba, whilst you know bathing on the roof, we talked about this a few months ago. Remember the story? He sleeps with a woman that he sees. He's like, bring her in. Then he goes, I've made a mistake. Oh my gosh, she's married. I know how to fix the problem. I'll kill her husband. And then it gets further and further down the track and the, the lies and the deceit keep on building and building and building. Then he, she falls pregnant and then the baby dies. It's a horrific story because the heart wasn't in check. But David actually realizes something, that he lost control of his heart and that despair had crept in. And in Psalm 51, 10 to 12, we've talked about this before, he cries out to God and he says this. He says a very interesting thing. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Give me a non wavering spirit. Do not cast me from your presence and take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Give me the ability to do what's right, God. And again, we see this moment that there's this idea of a new heart that's being asked for from those that are struggling, or God has identified a heart that is wayward. In Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-four, the Israelites are woe. Uh, you know they're they're wayward from God and um, they're living a woeful life. And God actually speaks to them. He says this: "For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your land." And God says this to His people: "I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols." And listen to this. He says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move to you um, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Notice how he says, hey, I'm going to give you a new heart and it's going to give you the ability to follow me. Then you will live in the land and give that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. It's really important as we read Ephesians 6 about the armor of God that we understand what the writer is really talking about. Whilst he's writing this to the early followers of Christ, he's actually talking about putting a breastplate of righteousness on to protect the heart that has been made clean. He's not talking about the old heart. He's talking about the new heart. He's saying, when you receive me and you start to follow me, when you say, Jesus, I'm following you. I die to myself when I get baptized in the waters of baptism. When I come up, I have become a new creation. I have a new heart. And he's talking about that heart that you need to protect. For those that have received Christ, if you don't have a new heart and you're living with a heart of stone, I'm going to give you an opportunity to become a new creation today, later on in this message, because the greatest thing you'll ever do. He's talking about putting on the breastplate of righteousness to protect the heart that has been made clean once and for all by Christ. Because of the death on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's why this new heart could be happening. This, this is actually a prophecy in Ezekiel, hundreds of years before Jesus, but all of a sudden now it's become true. Notice God's language. It says this, I will remove from you and I will give you a new heart. It doesn't say, be good and somehow your heart will change. A new heart that's received, a new spirit that's received, the Holy Spirit. We talked about him before in prayer. But when your new heart has been replaced with flesh, not stone, now it needs protecting. And this is why we need the armor of God. Because you cannot leave your new spiritual heart open and vulnerable. You need the breastplate of righteousness strapped to your chest. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you say, "Jesus, I choose to follow you," when you choose to be obedient in baptism, you have a whole new life—a life that is no longer about you but about following Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus, be a Christian. It's not about you anymore; it's about Jesus. Romans five fifteen says this, and He died for all that those who would live, who live, should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again, no longer live for themselves. This is not about you anymore. This is about Jesus. Not having a selfish heart, a selfish desire. It says, goes on, it says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do, no, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new heart is beating. The old is gone. The new is here. And trust me, once you are born again, you might have heard of that sort of idea. Once you have a new heart beating, Satan hates it. He wants to kill you. Welcome to the war. It's just the truth. You don't know the truth, you're gonna get smashed. So, how do we protect this spiritual heart? We intentionally fasten the breastplate of righteousness to our lives. As does that mean do good, be good, earn protection by our own actions? No. But it's so simple, it's so it's so easy to go back there, right? Who knows? That's so easy to go back there. Because we go, I just gotta be good, I gotta be good, that's good, you know. All those things are great, but they should be outworkings of loving God, not trying to earn God's love. Last week, we talked about the belt of truth. Jesus claimed, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And this week, I'm here to say again, Jesus is our breastplate of righteousness. You know, for thousands of years, people have strived to be good and do good and somehow become worthy of God's love. But at the end of the day, we're all sinners. We can't be God We need Jesus. You know, in the book of Romans, if you read it, Romans 3.10, it highlights that our sin actually magnifies how good God is, His righteousness. Because of our sin, we actually understand that God is that good. Romans 3.10 goes on. He says, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. It goes on and just pretty much just says, we can't do this. We can't be righteous. In other words, maybe you're here for the first time and you thought, maybe I could just be good enough. Uh, None of us are good, including myself. Even your pastor is not good. The Collingwood supporters are like, that's right. Okay, right? (laughs) The good news is, though, when we die and we stand before God, who will judge us on our lives, He can confidently look at us as people that are right standing, if we know Jesus. We are worthy because of our faith in Jesus. That's what makes us righteous. That's the difference between karma and grace. So many people say, well, Christianity is just like karma, just be good and then good stuff happens. No, no. No, we're bad and God loves us. And our whole life, we try and just say, hey, someday I want to repay you with the way I live my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Anyone ever received a gift in your life that you can't repay back? Anyone ever been one of those moments where you're just so blown away by a gift that you just like go, I can never repay you back? I had one of those moments when I was 20 years of age, I bought my first property in Woodridge Decided to do a renovation rescue on the first day I bought this place. It had this thick green paint on the walls. It was disgusting. And I thought, I'm going to get a paint scraper and take off the paint. But I was really impatient and I was young and had never done a reno in my life. And I got under the paint and I actually started taking off the plaster. It's <laughs> Danny <laughs> Lambert. He, he's probably like, oh my God. So I'm just, I'm just ripping off. And I'm thinking I'm doing a great job. There's this like exposed, I've never done this before. And my dad comes over and he goes, what have you done? I've literally exposed the entire room, my lounge room, with this, like, plaster board that's now open. And I'm like, oh, he goes, you're going to have to replaster that. I know nothing about replastering. And I have no money. Like, I've got 100 bucks a week kind of thing left over. And I remember a guy from my church came over one day, and I had this open exposed board for, like, months. And I had no money to do anything, so I just lived with it. And people were like, that's interesting as. I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> it's a new look. You'll see it on the block next year. And um, I remember this guy coming over and he said, You should get that painted as and get it plastered up. I know a guy. You should give him a call. And he gave me this number. And I took the number and I went, Oh, maybe when I get some money together. And I did nothing about it uh, because I had no money. And I ran into this guy like three months later because I hadn't seen him in ages. He'd kind of gone to another church or something. And he goes, Did you give that guy a call? I said, No. And he goes, Mate, he's been waiting for your call. Just give him a call. And so he goes, call him now. And I'm like feeling really awkward. So I end up calling, hey, mate, can you come to my house and give me a quote on painting and plastering? And he goes, yeah, no worries. And I felt so bad because I knew as soon as this guy came to my house, I'd have to say, sorry, I have no money. So the guy comes out and he looks at it and he goes through my unit. And he says, you know, it's going to be like two and a half, three thousand $3,000. Okay. Now, for some of you, you're like, that's nothing. For me, that was like a year's saving, if not more. Um, and he goes, that's $3,000, and I can work next week. And I had to say, I felt so embarrassed. And I said, hey, mate, I'm really sorry. I actually just can't afford it right now, but thanks so much for coming out. And he goes, "As, what are you talking about? It's already been paid for. Wow. I said, what? And he goes, you just got to pick the color, man. What paint do you want? I said, what, what do you mean? He said, oh, I think I paid for it. He's already paid for it. He's been waiting for six months for you to g- make a... <laughs> I will never forget that, and I will never be able to repay him, because that money for him wasn't a lot. He was a a multi-millionaire, you know, so for him, it's like, it's pointless trying to figure out how to pay someone back that has way more than you ever have, Um, and, but I tell you what, I'll never speak a bad word about him, and I'll live my life. If anyone ever was to question his, I'd be the first to stand up for him. That's what it looks like to receive a free gift and the gift of righteousness is what Jesus gives us. The breastplate of righteousness is a free gift that we get to wear. We, get it, we actually get to wear it. There's nothing you can do. You just receive it simply by faith. You get to put on the righteousness of Christ. And so when you're wearing it and you stand before God, you're upstanding and God says, you're in. Because you've got Christ on you. It's interesting... When we allow jesus to be the closest thing to our heart which is the breastplate it's the closest thing to your heart the breastplate of righteousness we can't help but become more like jesus himself you've heard you know you become the people you surround yourself with you got a friend that has the same mannerisms the same in jokes and all that kind of thing are you sisters you brothers that's because you spend a lot of time with them it's the same thing with jesus when you wear righteousness all of a sudden you just exude righteousness You do what's right. You actually live a life that reflects Jesus. It just rubs off on you. When you let Jesus Christ be closest to your heart, nothing can get between you or destroy you. He's actually your protector. It's pretty simple. The closer you are to Jesus, the less space the devil has to get in. Here's another thing to understand. When your heart starts to wander, it's a good indication that maybe he isn't as close to you as he used to be. Think about that. When Your heart starts to think, I just want to do that or this. Maybe he's just not as close to you as you thought he might be. When the overflow of the heart doesn't reflect the heart of God, we know that it isn't as close as it once was. Understand this, that this is actually going to be a constant battle in every one of your life, lives, and, and it's actually a battle for myself as well. As I said, I love being an unpack the Scripture because as I look at it, I go, this is me. It's like a mirror. Everyone and everything in your life is demanding your heart. It's attention. You're at war with the world and your spiritual life. You know, if there's one thing I can challenge us on today in these moments when we are starting to go wayward, it's to repent and come back to Jesus. Cry out like King David cried out. Identify that your heart is wayward. It's making decisions that it shouldn't. Cry out, God created me a new heart again. You know, James 4 summarizes this really well. The title of this passage is, Submit Yourself to God. Come back to God. He asks the question, What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? you no know, can relate to that you desire but do not have so you kill you covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god when you ask you do not do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives your heart's in the wrong place so that you may get what you your pleasures want in other words it says this you adulterous people don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against god Therefore, anyone who chooses to be, be the friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the Scripture says that without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused to dwell within us? Further on, it just simply says this. Submit yourself to God then. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Notice this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Get that righteousness on your chest. And he will even draw closer so there's nothing that can separate you. Nothing can get in. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Church, the breastplate of righteousness is a closeness with God. That's a free gift. It's not about trying to do good. If you've come to church, maybe for years and years and years, and you go, I just don't get it. I can never be good enough to be a Christian. You've completely missed it. Jesus died on a cross, so you wouldn't have to. He rose from the dead, so you can be an eternally living person. Your spirit can come alive. Maybe today you came in today, and you feel like your heart has died. Feels like you're dead inside because of the sin and the stuff that's going on in your life, the stuff that's breaking you, the stuff that's in the dark, today I want to give you a chance to get it beating again. Because God is a God of restoration. Nothing is too broken which He can't fix. Nothing. You might be going, as, if I told you how broken my world is right now, you'd say, I'm no, I'm telling you, God is in the business of Restoration. And he wants to, you know, just kind of bring you back. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. God, we just thank you for the gift that you gave us freely, your life. Jesus, for some of us, we've never actually asked for a new heart. We've never asked for a new beginning. We never stepped out and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I want my actions just to reflect who you are, because you're close to my chest. You're close to my heart. Maybe if you're sitting here today, you don't even, you've never heard this. Maybe you just thought, well, I thought it was just the physical. I thought I just had a physical heart. No, you're a spirit and a soul. God wants to know you, and He wants to wake you up. He wants to give you a fresh heartbeat. That's God's heartbeat. And when he gives you that heartbeat, he also wants to give you his righteousness to protect that new heart. If you've never received that new heart and you go, Jesus, I want to start following you as of today. I want to know what it's like to have you rest so close to me that I can only reflect you out of a natural response. If that's you today, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Just put your hand up. Just looking across the room. If that's you, you've never made that decision. You're like, God, I want to follow you today. I want to start following you, Jesus. Now, for the rest of us, myself included, there's been times where I think my heart has died a little bit. And I've actually taken on the idea of just trying to present a certain way and be good and do good and try and strive for God to love me because I know I'm such a mess. Today, if you just want a refresher, God, come in, do some heart surgery, and get me beating again. If you need that today, you just go, God, I need your breastplate of righteousness. I need to receive that gift again. If you want to be refreshed today, just raise your hand across here. I just want to pray for those. Yeah, there's heaps of hands. Heaps of hands, because we're all here. Man, we're all here. For some of you, your heart, yeah, see your hand. Some of you, your heart's beating really hard right now because you're like, could as be actually speaking the truth here? The truth will set you free, and it's the truth. God wants to give you a new heart. So just raise your hand really high if you want to be joined, if you want me to pray for you right now. Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for those that have stepped out in faith and said, God, this heart ain't beating. God, this heart's like a heart of stone, and God, my heart keeps wandering away from you and I'm actually in a place where I need to come back to you and know you again. Father, I pray for those that have raised their hands, those across this church, our people, our community, our family that know they need a real relationship with you, Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would draw near to them with your breastplate of righteousness. You would just rest upon their heart again. God, that their heart will beat like yours that they will be like you in their community, not out of striving, but just out of a natural overflow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.